0: Welcome to the 34th Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the the adventure with us. 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 Take the adventure with us. And welcome everyone to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. As always, if you would be so kind as to leave a lovely reading or message on whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to this, we would really appreciate it. And today we are going to be talking about the Classical History 101, Classics 101, and we're focused on the Iliad. This will be Chapter 18, and our guide will be the one the only Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome Gary. Hi. So Gary, you've been saying that this is a really special chapter. Uh, what is it about this chapter that makes it stand out for you?
1: Well, I think it's the uh, one of the most lyrical chapters of the Iliad. I and mean, it shows Homer's great way with words, you know, and and how beautifully descriptive he can be, you know, inspiring. <clears throat> but um, I'll go with the, you know, as I, I keep saying, this this Harvard uh, early 1883 uh, translation by Andrew Lang, Walter Leaf, and Ernest Myers. And they have little synopses at the beginning of each book. They call them our chapters. And the one for this one is book 18, how Achilles grieved for Patroclus. that Patroclus was his best friend and warrior, uh, some say lover, and how, um, uh, you know, who was killed by Achilles, I mean, by Hector. And, and oh, then it right. goes on to say how Thetis, who's the mother of Achilles, uh, asked for uh, new armor for him from Hephaestus. And Hephaestus is the, uh, they call him the fire god. Uh, and also the Smith god as in blacksmith he's Vulcan right like uh... yeah the Romans called him mm-hmm. right. so we get, call him Vulcan right so we get that, volcanoes that. from volcanoes the word vo- volcanoes from Vulcan
0: right we also get the uh, Star Trek we get uh, Mr Spock
1: yes who's a Vulcan yeah <laughs> yeah that's true right and, and I, I don't know if you heard but yesterday in Indonesia it had a tremendous volcanic eruption.
0: No, no, I had not heard.
1: Now you ought to check it out. They had video of it, and it was just uh, unbelievable. Oh, um, I'll take a look. Because we've been having these volcanic eruptions, like on that <clears throat> Spanish island, you know, and uh, even Mount Etna a little bit, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, Kilauea and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and by the way, they had blizzard conditions. At Kilauea, with snow and ice, if you can imagine, in Hawaii, wow.
0: that is pretty crazy. I don't, I didn't know that could occur. I,
1: I've never heard of that. Well, I heard there, was, there can be snow because Kilauea is so high, but oh, I, the I high never, yeah, I, I never heard of blizzard conditions before, so that's a new one for me. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, the uh, synopsis goes on. Thetis, who's the mother of Achilles, uh, asked for new armor from Hephaestus. Mm-hmm. And then it says, and of the making of the armor, uh, which um, is a bit of an understatement, I think. But, um, <clears throat> but anyhow, now I'm going to go to the 1990 translation by Robert Fagels. And um, okay, and he, he entitles the, the book or the chapter uh, as the shield of Achilles. So he's emphasizing what I would like to emphasize. Because the shield is something else. And so I'm just going to bring you the the, the opening uh, part. Okay. So the men fought on like a mass of whirling fire as swift Antilochus raced the message towards Achilles, a message that uh, Patroclus had been killed. And uh, sheltering under his curved big ships, he found Achilles. Foreboding deep down, all that had come to pass, agonizing now, he probed his own great heart, uh, and so on. Um, And uh, he goes on, why, why are long-haired Achaeans, meaning the Greeks, routed again, driven in terror off the plain to crowd the ships? But why? Dear gods, don't bring to pass the grief that haunts my heart, the prophecy that mother revealed to me one time. She said the best of the Myrmidons, and those are the, the warriors of Achilles. And uh, Myrmidons means warrior ant, army ants. Yeah, remember
0: you said that. Yeah, the army ants. It's a great name.
1: While I lived, would fall at the Trojan hands and leave the light of day. And now he's dead. I know it. Manetius, gallant son. In other words, Manetius was the father of Patroclus. My headstrong friend, he calls him. I told Patroclus clearly, once you have beaten the Greeks back, I mean the Trojans back, Come back to the ships. You must not battle Hector. And such fears went churning through my mind. The warlord Nestor's son drew near me now. Uh, Nestor is one of the kings. He was the old king, uh, wise old Nestor. Um, And he was streaming warm tears to give the dreadful message. And he says, "Uh, ah, son of royal Peleus, that's Achilles. What you must hear from me. What painful news. Would to God it had never happened. Patroclus has fallen. They're fighting over his corpse now. He's stripped naked. Hector with his flashing helmet. Hector has his arms, meaning his armor. So, so the captain reported, and a black cloud of grief came shrouding over Achilles. Both hands clawing the ground for soot and felt. He poured it over his head. So Achilles is really reacting to this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then get this part of the, uh, a little later on it says, and the women he and Patroclus carried off as captives caught the grief in their hearts and keened and wailed out the tents. They ran to ring great Achilles, uh, beating their breasts with clenched fists. Now, can you imagine these are women that Achilles captured on the way to Troy?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm a little dubious as to that uh, response. But yes, it's it strikes yeah. me as a kind of very typically, okay, see, we're such great warriors that even are captured, frankly, you know, clearly going to be women that they physically took advantage of, would somehow feel sorry for them. I doubt that would happen. But yes, exactly. It's a very, yeah, you know, you so
1: know. they would, they, they would only do that if they're required to do it, in my opinion.
0: Right, right. I agree.
1: And it, it, but it does show, you know, the the male chauvinism which is in the Iliad.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, the Bronze Age Greeks were male chauvinists. Uh, and uh, so, anyhow, uh, then it, it goes on to uh, Thetis because Achilles mm-hmm. goes down on the seashore and. And he calls for his mother, you know. He groaned from the depths. His mother rose before him, a sobbing, sharp cry, cradling her son's head in her hands. And her words were all compassion, winging pity. Now, Thetis is is kind of a sea goddess. And she says, my child, why in tears? What sorrow has touched your heart? Tell me, please. Don't harbor it deep within you. Zeus has accomplished everything you wanted. Just as you raised your hands and prayed that day, all the sons of Achaia, or the Greeks, are pinned against the ships, all for the one of you. They are suffering losses. And then Achilles replies, groaning deeply, the matchless runner, because they call uh, an epithet for Achilles, a swift running Achilles.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so it says, Oh, dear mother, True, all those burning desires Olympian Zeus has brought to pass for me. But what joy to me now, my dear comrades dead, Patroclus. And get this, the man I love beyond all other comrades, loved as my own life. I've lost him. Hector's killed him, stripped his great armor off his back, a marvel to behold. My burnished gear, meaning it's, Patroclus wore Achilles' armor, if you remember.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: And he goes on to say, "I've lost the will to live, to take my stand in the world of men, unless, before all else, Hector's battered down by my spear and and gasp away his life—the blood price for Patroclus." Um, and, now, before and, and, you
0: before you go on, what is what is his parentage? So his mother is a sea goddess.
1: Yeah, sea goddess Thetis. Uh-huh. And the father uh i the um peleus who is a mortal
0: okay okay so mortal father uh immortal goddess mother okay
1: yeah and and, and then thetis answers warning through her tears in other words you know this chapter is very emotional all these tears everybody you know has and everything achilles and his mother and so on He said, but Thetis answered, warning through her tears, you're doomed to a short life, my son, from all you say. For hard on the heels of Hector's death, your death must come at once. So she's foreshadowing the fact that Achilles is going to be killed, and he eventually gets killed by Paris, Mm -hmm. of Troy. So anyhow. So,
0: right. So he's so now we have this, we have a deeply emotional uh, Achilles. We have his mother talking to him, trying to, I guess, give him some words of reason, words yeah. of warning. Yeah. And uh, okay.
1: And so it goes on, and Achilles brags about himself. He said, I, no man's my equal among the bronze-armed Achaeans. You know, he he brags about himself, but he is the best, you know. And he says, enough, let bygones be bygones, done is done. Despite my anguish, I will beat it down, the fury mounting inside me. But now I'll go and meet the murderer head on, that Hector who destroyed the dearest life I know. And uh, so. Well, this is one of the
0: things we, we had talked about. You know, they were having trouble getting their star player onto the field, as we called it. The sports analogy, the Greeks uh, couldn't get their star player on the field. And now, finally, the thing that it took was to have his, you know, very important person, whatever their relationship really was, um, had to fall. And now he's ready to fight.
1: And um, but then, you know, glory is a big deal to Bronze Age Greeks. And you achieve glory by killing your adversary in battle. And glory was a big deal to them, so so that's why uh, Achilles says, "But now, for the moment, let me seize great glory and uh, mm-hmm. and, and drive some woman of Troy with deep-breasted." Uh, the Greeks love big breasts, apparently, and <laughs> that deep-breasted thing keeps appearing throughout the Iliad. Mm-hmm. Um, and drive some woman of Troy deep-breasted darling to claw with both hands at her tender cheeks and wipe away her burning tears as the sobs come choking from her throat. They'll learn that I've refrained from war a good long time since. Don't try to hold me back from fighting, mother. Love me as you do. You can't persuade me now. And then Thetis, the goddess of the glistening feet, replied, Yes, my son, you're right. No coward's work to save your exhausted friends from headlong death. But your own handsome war gear lies in Trojan hands, bronze and burnished, and Hector in, in that flashing helmet. Hector glories in your armor. So in other words, when you kill your adversary, you strip him of his armor, and, and you take the armor as a trophy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's part of your, your glory glorification thing, you know? And um, uh And she tells him, tomorrow I will return to you with the rising sun, bearing splendid arms, meaning the armor, from Hephaestus, god of fire. So she goes to uh, Hephaestus. And um, so, you know, and he's on Mount Olympus, okay?
0: Okay, so she's getting him new armor for the battle.
1: Yeah, she's okay. going to request it of Hephaestus, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, <clears throat> um, I'm going to go to that part. Okay. Um,
0: so this fate to fall uh, once he kills Hector, was this, this was decreed? We, I think we had talked about this earlier. Had this been decreed before, long before Uh, and this is a warning that his mother is giving him?
1: Well, she's reminding him that uh, Achilles had a choice of a long but uneventful life or a short but glorious life, Mm -hmm. and he chose the short and glorious life.
0: I think most young men would. I think that's just a very, very human, you know, not thinking until that moment comes that, you know, there is not much left for you once you do this. So that's another one of the great things about this story, why it's lasted so long. It touches very natural human impulses. It's a, you know, we're, you and I have been talking about the TV shows we see that just don't seem to be yeah. written well and don't understand the way human beings act and interact. And this story very naturally shows you, lets things unfold the way it would for humans. So I think it's, uh, I think it's the, while I have my issue with the ancients, uh, in particular the Greeks, this is a, a great example of how just brilliant and powerful Homer is, or was, I should say.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and I told you yesterday that I, I just got on the internet that and I didn't notice before that um, Alexander the Great uh, had a dream that Homer was inspiring him to build a city in Egypt, and that became the city of Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the uh, ancient Library of Alexandria, with a million or more scrolls and everything, it was the place of learning and scholarship for the whole world. Mm. Yeah,
0: it's one of those things you and I have talked about. I wish we somehow could recover what was there. There's so many lost works, but anyway. So he's so Thetis is going so anyhow, to get him. Yeah,
1: Thetis now she's going to Mount Olympus, and so it's what I'm saying here. Glistening-footed, that's her epithet, glistening-footed, whatever that is, Thetis, reached Hephaestus' house, meaning his palace. Indestructible, bright as stars, shining among the gods, built of bronze by the crippled smith. Now, Hephaestus was crippled because Zeus got mad at him and threw him out of heaven. He landed on his foot and it crippled him. And so I I think it's very interesting that Greeks in their mythology has a handicapped person in their mythology, mm-hmm. so in other words, it was acceptable. Uh, so, um,
0: well, except for the Spartans, right? The Spartans would have thrown him off a cliff.
1: Yeah, they would have, but uh, he's a god, you know. You know? Mm-hmm. He, sure, he, but I'm just
0: saying generally. Yeah, it's interesting. You can't,
1: can't be killed; he's uh, an immortal, you know.
0: Right, no, but I'm just saying generally, the Spartans wouldn't have welcomed uh, physically challenged anything. But, uh but yeah it is interesting that they have this this physically challenged God so and has, an important God
1: yes he's an important god because uh, he makes all the palaces for the gods he makes the jewelry for the goddesses he makes armor and so on you know he's he's very important he's a you know creator and manufacturer um, so Thetis reaches his house and uh, so she finds Hephaestus sweating, wheeling around his bellows, you know, because he's he's working the, uh, you know, the blacksmith thing, pressing to work on 23-legged cauldrons. And 20, I think, is a sacred number. is double the number 10, like 10 years for the Trojan War and mm-hmm. 10 years for the Odyssey, Voyage Home and everything. And uh, so he's he's making these things uh, with bolted golden wheels so on. Um, And uh, so anyhow, the famous crippled smith exclaimed warmly, Thetis, here? Ah, then, a wondrous honored goddess comes to grace my house. Thetis saved my life. I don't know what that is. When the mortal pain came upon me after my great fall, thanks to my mother's will, that brazen bitch, (laughs) she wanted to hide me because I was a cripple. But shattering anguish, I have suffered from if Thetis had not taken me to her breast. So in other words, he really helped uh, Hephaestus.
0: It sounds like she raised him. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. And it says, yes. And then he goes on, nine years, nine is another sacred number, nine years I lived with both forging bronze for the trove of elegant brooches, world pens, necklaces, chokers, chains, there in the vaulted cave. Now, the ancient Greeks and Romans thought that Hephaestus lived in Mount—I Olymp- mean, uh, Mount Etna, the volcano that recently erupted on Sicily.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So anyhow, uh, but Thetis burst into tears; her voice welling. Oh, Hephaestus, who of all the goddesses on Olympus, who has borne such? Withering sorrows in her heart, such pain as Zeus has given me above all others. Me out of the daughters of the sea and so on. So he goes on with that, you know. Um, so she says, so now I come, I throw myself at your knees. Please help me. Give my son, he won't live long, a shield, a helmet, tooled greaves. Greaves are the things that cover your, your knee and shins mm-hmm. and with ankle straps and armor for his chest. All that he has lost, when the Trojans killed his steadfast friend, now he lies on the ground, his heart is breaking. And so the the famous uh, crippled um, Smith replied, Courage, anguish for all that armor, sweep it from your mind. If only I could hide away from pain and death. That day, this grim destiny comes to take Achilles. As surely as glorious armor shall be his, armor that any man in the world will marvel at. Mm -hmm. Through all the years to come, whoever sees its splendor. With that, he left her there and made for his bellows, turning them on the fire, commanding work to work. And the bellows, all twenty, another sacred number, Mm -hmm. blew on the crucibles, breathing with degrees of shooting, fiery heat. And then I want to read to you the the shield of Achilles that he creates for him because it is really uh, amazing. Okay. And so uh, bronze he flung at the blaze, tough, durable bronze, and tin and priceless gold and silver. And then the planting of a huge anvil upon his flock. He gripped his mighty hammer in one hand and with the other his tongs. And then he, he goes on to describe uh, what he's made. Number one, he, he made on the shield earth and sky and the sea and the inexhaustible blazing sun, the moon, rounding full, all that crowns the heavens. And he and he made on the Pleiades, you know, the seven sisters, those stars, and the Hyades and Orion and the great bear, which we call the, you know, Big Dipper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he made that. The second thing he made, he forged on a shield two noble cities filled with mortal men, with weddings and wedding feasts going on. And they're dancing, whirling in rings of people with flutes and harps and so on. Uh, and uh, women rushed to the doors, and he stood moved by wonder, you know. So he's making all these beautiful things. Number three, and he made people mass streaming into the marketplace where a quarrel broken out and two men struggled over the blood price of a kinsman just murdered, so he's showing a murder going on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then um, he's talking about that city elders sat on polished stone benches, forming a sacred circle, grasping in the hand the staffs of clear voiced heralds, so they're they're judging who's guilty of the murder. Mm-hmm. Then number four, he creates a city. Uh, camped a divided army and battle gear and so on and then he has uh, a city being attacked and uh, he has the two gods Ares the god of war and Pallas meaning Athena mm-hmm. both in Bernie's Gold you know uh, overlooking the you know the uh, siege of the city and so on that's number four and, uh, and along with uh, Ares's Two other minor gods, strife and havoc, they're called, and violent death. So these are three minor gods, uh, gods that are under a, uh, you know, Ares, the god of war.
0: The mm-hmm.
1: number five, he forges a, a, a fallow field, rich plowland tilled for a third time. Another sacred number, across it with plowmen. And so he's showing him uh, tending their fields and 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 uh, you know. Um, you know, plowing it and sowing the seeds and everything for a harvest. And then uh, number six, he forged a king's estate with harvesters labeled, reaping the ripe grain and swinging their wedded size. And there in the midst, the king, scepter in hand, at the head of reaping rows, stood tall in silence, rejoicing in his heart. the number seven, he forged a thriving vineyard loaded with clusters of bunch. Bunches of lustrous grapes and gold, ripening deep purple and climbing the vines. And number uh, eight, he forged on the shield a herd of longhorned cattle, working the bulls and beaten gold and tin, rambling out of a farmyard. And, and And then they're, they're herded by nine dogs, again, the number nine, a sacred number. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, excuse me, that's the ninth th- uh, thing is he creates nine dogs with their heels and paws flickering quickly, a savage roar, a crashing attack, and a pair of, like a pair of ramping lions and so on. Oh, well, the lions are attacking the bulls, and then the dogs are trying to defend them. Mm-hmm. The number 10, and the famous crippled smith forged a meadow deep in a shaded glen for sh- shimmering flocks to graze with shepherds' steadings, well-roofed huts, and sheepfolds. And the crippled smith brought all his art to bear on a dancing circle, brought of, this is number 11, of, uh, as, as Daedalus, who was a, a major figure in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. was laid out at Canasso's uh, spacious fields for Ariadne, the girl with the lustrous hair. And here he crafted young boys and girls' beauties corded with costly gifts of oxen danced and danced. And the boys swung golden daggers. Um, And then finally, number 12. And he forged the ocean's river mighty power um, girdling around the outermost rim of this indestructible shield. In other words, he creates 12 scenes on the shield, and 12 is the main sacred number that Homer uses in the Iliad and the Odyssey. Isn't that interesting?
0: Yeah. So it's also amazingly beautifully described, each of those.
1: And then he, he ends up here, and once the God had made that great a massive shield, he made Achilles a breastplate, meaning, you know, for his chest, uh, brighter than gleaming fire. And then he made him a sturdy helmet to fit the fighter's temple's beautiful burnished work and raised his golden crest and made him greaves of flexing pliant tin. Now when the famous crippled smith had finished off that grand array of armor lifting it in his arms, he laid it all at the feet of Achilles' mother Thetis. And in other words, she picked it up and down she flies like a hawk from snowy Mount Olympus, bearing the, the brilliant armor the God of Fire's Gift.
0: That's incredible.
1: I just, I just think incredible. it's
0: very It's vivid, vivid. It's very yes. vivid. It's just amazing. Well, now we're coming towards the end of, of this segment, so let's um, kind of draw us to the close of the chapter. Yeah. Or is but, that the close of the chapter?
1: But that was the close of the chapter.
0: Oh, wow. That is that. So that's just the chapter really describing – the sequence of getting his armor ready, that's pretty, that's amazing. Just in that I saw that I heard and and could visualize some things more clearly and more vividly, more powerfully than 10 TV shows I've just seen. So I think that's, that's a testament to just the gift of Homer.
1: uh, No, you're totally right. I mean, it's so moving to read that chapter and the beauty that Homer describes, you know, and by the way, um, this British uh, artist uh, made a replica of that shield, and it's at the Huntington Library. If anybody wants to see it,
0: oh, that's yeah, please, and that's here in Southern California.
1: Yeah, it's at the Huntington Library, and it's gold, and uh, it's just really beautiful. Okay. Well, he doesn't Gary, have all you. the scenes on there like Homer describes, but he has some, and, and it's it's really worth
0: seeing. Right. All right. Well, Gary, thank you. Let me give you your your well deserved applause. <laughs> we've been listening to Dr. Gary Stickle. Um, and this is we've been talking about chapter 18, a beautiful chapter of the Iliad. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. This is classical studies 101. The Parallax channel on 34 Circe. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with more of the Iliad. We're coming to the close, the end of the of this great epic. so we'll be back for more soon. Thank you for listening and we will be back soon. Take care.
1: Thank you.